On Tea with the Changemakers this week, we've got a passion for fashion alongside our usual appetite for positive change. I'm joined by Ashita Cabra-Davis, founder and CEO of the peer-to-peer fashion network By Rotation. Ashita founded the business after witnessing firsthand the effects of textile waste whilst on her honeymoon in India. Determined to revolutionise the way fashion is consumed, Ashita launched the world's first social fashion rental app, allowing users to borrow and lend designer fashions directly with each other, creating a community of sharers. Come and join us for a chat with Ashita on today's Tea with the Changemakers. Ashita, lovely to see you. Um, let's begin. Can you tell us um, a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? My name is Ashita and I am the founder and CEO of Byrotation. Byrotation is the world's first social fashion rental app. So you can lend and rent designer fashion with each other. So you can save money because you can rent designer outfits for less. You can make money because you can list your own wardrobe on the app. And you can also dress in fabulous ways since they're kind of new, but not completely new items. You can make new friends because it's a social network. And last but not least, you can also save the planet at the same time. So many reasons to get on the Virotation app. Um, and yeah, we really want to transform how fashion is consumed altogether by making people share more. Where did the inspiration for Virotation come from? I've heard it has something to do with your honeymoon. That's correct. Um, I was planning this trip of a lifetime, my honeymoon, uh, back in, I think it was November 2018, And I was thinking, oh, it would be really nice to wear all these nice designer outfits in the desert of Rajasthan, which is where I was born uh, and where we were going for our honeymoon. And um, I started thinking about fashion rental and the lack of options we have in the UK and Europe. You know, we've we've, we've got a few players uh, across the Atlantic, like Rent the Runway, but there's no such sort of digital service in the UK. Um, a lot of the options that I saw were all about, you know, renting a ball gown or like a hat for the Ascot races, but nothing really for this amazing, you know, kind of tropical holiday. So that's when I started, you know, doing market research alongside uh, planning my travel, um, I'm, you know, planning my itinerary for this trip. But it wasn't actually until I went on my honeymoon, so about three, four months later, that I noticed a visible amount of textile waste, even in my suburban hometown. And I hadn't been back for about 13, 14 years. And I just couldn't help but feel guilty that I too had, you know, participated for very long in this linear um, fashion system. You know, I bought new clothing, um, you know, for this trip in specific, which I wasn't really sure I would wear more than 30 times, you know, all these dresses that I had bought. Um, the minimum optimal amount of times you should be wearing an item is 30. And I wasn't sure I was going to wear all these new clothes that I had bought um, at least 30 times. So that's when I started thinking about how this fashion rental idea could be, you know, could, could actually be a solution to this, this problem of textile waste. How quickly did you get buy into your idea? Obviously, it's a fantastic idea, but you've brought it Thank to you. fruition and very quickly. So how, how did you get things moving? I think we were, you know, when I came back from the honeymoon, uh, I was already planning it on the last leg. Uh, so we were in Jesselmere, which is a desert. It was very secluded. And I started thinking about this idea, you know, I was itching to start, you know, doing some work already. And um, when I came back, I started experimenting, um, you know, having some focus group with my friends, having like a, 
an event at, in my one bedroom apartment with my friends and asking them, how do you feel about you know, sharing your wardrobe with a potential stranger and getting paid for it? Um, and that's when I got some positive feedback from my, I would say, mostly working professional female audience. So I created a test platform, a beta platform, a very, very ugly website, very rudimentary, but it was good enough to do transactions across the country. Um, and it wasn't until I had reached a specific amount of transactions, specific amount of users on the platform, and a specific amount of listings, so items that you can rent on the web-based platform, that I decided to finally hand in my notice and leave my career um, in finance. So who's the target market for buy rotation? Who, who's it aimed at? Yeah, I, I mean, we've identified four user personas, but I would say uh, it's predominantly got quite a few working professional females. You know, it's very female heavy, although there is a menswear category and we would love for more guys to upload their items on there. So Andy, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it's, it's mostly working professional females and they're often from the age range of, you know, 23 to late 30s. But obviously there's outliers, you know, we've got a lot of Gen Z who are renting for things like their graduation uh, or their 18th birthday. Uh, and at the same time, one of our top lenders who makes over £2,000 a month, um, she's a 49-year-old woman who owns her own company. She has teenage sons. Um, you know, she's got an MBE from the Queen. So yeah, there, there's like a there's like a really, really nice variety of people on the app. And I think that's what makes it so vibrant. And, and that's how we have, you know, the UK's largest shared wardrobe, um, you know, over 30,000 items to rent from. And these items... Would you say it's more for the special occasions then rather than the everyday? Yeah, I mean, we do have people who are renting for things like, you know, brunch. So even just like going out to meet your friends on Saturday for a meal or for date night. Um, then equally, you know, you've got people who are renting for things like their wedding. You know, we recently had someone rent um, someone else's wedding gown, some Molly Whitehall's gown, which was already a vintage gown. Uh, another bride rented it. And, and, and that's so cool. Like, you know, that's taking the meaning of something borrowed to a completely different level. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, you know, you know, people are dabbling in it and they're just renting for their birthday or for their trip, for, for their holidays. Um, but at the same time, you've got some who are renting, you know, on average once a week um, for just things like a meal out. One of the things we noticed in a, a blog we ran on, on the social change website last year, talking about fast fashion is we, we applied it to the uh, behavioral uh, framework East, where if something is easy, if it's accessible, if it's social and timely, that's what encourages people to you know, really partake. So fast fashion, it's all of those things. You could drop onto the high street, you can pick it up for not a lot of money. It's a trip out with your friends. It, it's very easy. So you're offering this in, in, in another way. Exactly. And I mean, if you think about it, you know, our average order value, it beats dresses from things like, um, from things like, you know, Zara uh, or, or a lot of the other fast fashion players. So it's definitely, you know, a great alternative, a very, very sustainable and circular alternative. And even I would say a fun alternative because you're connected to, um, you know, very, um, you know, other women whose style that you admire and maybe you don't know them, you know, and they end up becoming your acquaintances. So we've really seen a lot of women because it's a social network following each other and repeat renting from them over and over again. So you've got like an extended wardrobe basically, and it could be across the country. 
So it's definitely been very timely and everyone is talking about sustainability, you know, um, especially in the fashion industry. You know, it's the third most polluting industry in the world, which um, which sounds shocking, but actually it makes sense because we all wear clothing every day. Um, the UK in particular is a culprit when it comes to how much fast fashion is produced and consumed here. You know, we're consuming about five times more than our European counterparts, even though a lot of um, quality fashion is actually produced in say Italy or, 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 Paris or, or France. And it's just been, you know, I, I think it's, it's come at a very timely, it, it's come very timely, this awareness. You know, we've all in these three lockdowns that we've had across the nation, we've all sort of, you know, looked at everything that we own and really decided and considered what is actually important to me. You know, it, it, do I want to have 50 dresses that I've worn maybe thrice at the very most of my life? Or would I rather invest in some really quality pieces and wear them all the time uh, and be less wasteful and, and actually have a more clear house, a clear mind? The Mary Kondo sort of effect. So extrapolated out to an extreme, could by rotation enable someone to basically rent or borrow an entire wardrobe? Yes, exactly. I mean, we actually even have a homeware category. So you could even rent things like table linen, or you could rent a mirror, a sofa. You could. Yeah, we recently had someone who I think just got married, and she she listed about fifty candlesticks um, that you could rent because she had bought them for her wedding decorations, like her tables, her table setting. And I think that's so interesting. Like by rotation is it, it's a lifestyle concept. You know, it's about wanting to share and have access to premium lifestyle goods. And this could extend beyond fashion. You know, we've already done that in homeware. We're doing that in menswear because currently it's mostly women. Um, we could extend this to sports equipment or art. There's just so much we can do. Um, one thing is one thing that we do have in common is that it's very much geared towards the uh, millennial and the Gen Z and perhaps Gen Alpha who value access over ownership and they do care about quality premium products and sustainability, of course. One of the drivers behind fashion generally, and also with fast fashion then, and I'm, I'm speaking as an outsider here, the listeners can't see my floral shirt, but this has been my floral shirt for a good six <laughs> or seven years. I'm I'm not one for trends, but, but trends... you're probably much more sustainable. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm trying to do my bit. But, yes. But the fashion trends, obviously, it's, 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 a, it's huge. It's not just big business. It's huge business. Every year, every quarter, every season, new trends come on, new colours, new styles, new cuts. People are, are told what's hot, and that drives new purchases and new things coming into the market. How do you think your business model will ultimately affect trends? If, if suddenly there's a library of everything you could possibly want, everything that's been hot is not, and then comes back round again, as these things, as we say, are often cyclical, do, do you think that you could be quite a disruptor in the fashion industry and in that, you know, trends might become less of a thing and we won't be driving to have the new thing all of the time. Yeah, I think what we have seen from some of our top lenders and renters or super rotators, as we call them, you know, we've seen them become much more strategic about their next shopping trip. You know, they know very well um, what which items uh, in their wardrobe are being rented out more. So which ones they're actually getting like an, a good return on their investment in the first place when they even bought them and listed them. So they're becoming much more strategic shoppers. You know, they're being very, very conscious of their consumption. And they're always looking on the app first to see, 
okay, if I want to wear like an orange cardigan, because orange cardigans are very in the summer, um, can I find it on the Buy Rotation app first? Because it's not something that I probably want to own and it's just sort of trendy. But I think that's really helped people, you know, give them this option to, to look for quality pieces that are already owned by someone and pay them instead to borrow them for, you know, temporary periods rather than to buy the knockoff fast fashion version that one of these fast fashion e-tailers is selling. And I think that's really, really helped. Um, also on the other side, you know, um, get people to be much more experimental about their style and try different things without that eco guilt that we do face. So, yeah, I think one of the things that we're very, very excited about um, with by rotation as our community grows larger, you know, at the moment, we just have about 225,000 uh, registered users on the app, uh, predominantly women, as I said, as we continue to scale up and have more users on the app, more transactions, more engagement points on the app, because we are a social network, you know, we've been called the Instagram of fashion rental. I think what will be really interesting is the data that we're seeing on the app, you know, the data and the analytics. Um, and this will actually help brands, retailers, and even creative directors um, at these fashion houses really think about what are people consuming when it comes to fashion? Um, you know, maybe with, with Bur like a brand like Burberry, maybe they realize, oh, they mostly consume the trench coat. You know, they mostly rent the trench coat, not so much, I don't know, just an example, the bags or something. And that would be like a great point for them to consider when they're designing their new line or even producing the new line. What quantities should they produce them in? So yeah, I'm very excited about that side of the business um, because at the end of the day, we are very much a tech company. You know, we're empowering our community digitally to, um, you, to, to make the most of what they already own. So your users are getting the most out of fashion and then the fashion houses are potentially getting something out of the data that you're getting from your users. Exactly. And that could be a driver for change. Exactly. I'm interested as well. You describe yourself as a third culture kid. Does, does that make you more open to change and more adaptable to the world that we're in, do you feel? I think so. Uh, just, you know, sort of looking back at, um, you, know, you know, like where I grew up, um, Singapore, which is a very, very multicultural city. Um, it's, you know, I've always been, you know, we, we had this thing called Racial Harmony Day on 20th July every year, right? And, and it was just, it was, it was a big part, it was a big push for the government as well that, you know, we're all from different cultures, but we must coexist and we must celebrate each other's unique perspectives and differences because those are to be celebrated. Uh, we shouldn't be sort of, you know, made to be just one. And I thought that was really, um, I think that's, that's been very formative to the person that I am today, I think. Um, even if you look at bi-rotation, we're all about, you know, making sustainability, you know, designer fashion, you know, all, all these sort of very, very exclusive and potentially elitist concepts. You know, we're, we're all about making them very accessible to the, um, to the mainstream audience. You know, that the shopper that's walking on Oxford Street, the one who often shops High Street, but doesn't really know that there is an alternative. So for us, it's really about making sustainable fashion very inclusive, not just, and, and when we talk about inclusivity, I'm not just talking about ethnicity and culture and all of that. I'm, I'm also talking about socioeconomic inclusivity because that's something that I think a, a, lot of, um, a lot of fashion brands and luxury houses and designer brands don't really talk about. But I think that is key um, to getting people to be part of this journey. Um, and yeah, and I think just looking at even, you know, the, uh, the makeup of our team, 
our team is very, very um, global, I would say. Um, I think every team member of mine belongs to, you know, you know, a different country or grew up in a different country or, you know, ha has a different ethnicity. And I think that helps us sort of, um, you know, look at things in different, from different perspectives um, and we continue to evolve and be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And I think, you know, just being, being kind of an outsider and still an immigrant to the UK, you know, for me, all these sort of different changes that I've had to go through, they've just made me, I think, much more determined and very agile and very open to change, you know, even to the point where I celebrate change and, and, um, and, and, and you know, see it as, um, as kind of a catalyst uh, to the next step uh, in, in our journey. Talking about social accessibility, have you had anything with by rotation where suddenly brands are saying, we don't want you, you know, push, pushing our product out on your platform and associating our brand with the, the little people? Yeah, I think I think brands are becoming a bit more cautious um, and conscious of being elitist and exclusive. I think there's been, you know, we've seen quite a few, um, you, you know, things happen culturally uh, that have really affected how we treat other people. And I think it's almost now cool to be inclusive. Uh, it's cool to be, um, you know, to build a community, not an aspirational brand. Uh, and we've seen that a lot, you know, with, with people, with a lot of these, um, a lot of, I would say, modern brands, maybe not so much with the heritage brands, but we've seen this sort of, um, you know, uh, maybe it's just for media and for PR, but, you know, we've seen this willingness to change and appoint, you know, people from all kinds of backgrounds to their board and, you know, have a diversity council and all of that. Um, I think they realize, you know, brands realize that they need to um, get more customers, to be very honest with you. And they can't be selective and picky about it because it's a very, very wasteful industry. And if they're going to make as much product as they are making, then they will have to sell it somewhere. I mean, you look, if you look at some other brands like Gucci, um, you know, while, while, you know, the ready to wear is probably, you know, still a few thousand pounds for a dress, um, they've got trainers that are probably more affordable um, for, you know, a, a different sort of demographic or maybe a younger demographic, you know, they're all trying to get the younger people in to shop early and become, you know, very, very, um, very excited as they get older about particular brands, you know, they're doing it early on. And I think it's become less about classes. Um, I think maybe the heritage brands care about that more, uh, but they're also very tightly controlled and frankly, not very interested in trying to change them either. For us, it's really about empowering the average uh, customer. You know, we take charge. We don't wait for the brands. We don't wait for the producers, the corporates um, to, to, to get their act together because they won't, because it doesn't help them anyway. Would you consider it then, um, you know, they say imitation is the, you know, the highest form of flattery. If one of the brands decided to adopt your model you know, and maybe set up a, a sharing library, you know, if, if Gucci suddenly decided... Yes, they might sell their very high-end products at you know many thousands of pounds, but equally, let's have a service where we can make these more readily available. How would you feel about something like that? I think it's great. Um, I think it, it just makes the market bigger, and I think we're very, very early stages anyway. You know, people are just about talking about circular fashion and how there needs to be more aftercare uh, after just buying the product. So I think it would be great if brands started, you know, doing more in this space, and it would actually lift all of us other startups as well who have fewer resources compared to them so yeah i would welcome any brand to do this fantastic 
Talking of other brands, on some recent episodes of the podcast, we've spoken to the likes of Michelle Kennedy, CEO of Peanut, and Lily C, CEO of Think Dirty, um, both women who are doing great thing, great and innovative things within the tech sphere. How have you found being a woman in tech? I would say for me, I look, I look at, I look at men and women the same way. I'm from Rajasthan. You know, we have the highest uh, percentage of female infanticide uh, from the state of India that I'm from. And I was the second daughter and I have a younger brother. So you can understand that, you know, there was a desire to have a, a male child. So um, for me, I've always, and I've always been treated by my parents as no different to my brother as well. And I've worked mostly in male dominated industries my entire life, you know, having worked in finance for about seven years before I founded Birotation. And I, I'm, I'm proud and happy and grateful and probably lucky that I haven't been treated any different either for being a female. Um, you know, if I think about the uh, seed round funding that we raised uh, about a month ago, my lead investor is, you know, is a male. And he, he, he's a typical, I, I would say, in terms of the kind of uh, picture that you would have of a VC investor, he is a white male. Um, and, and most of his colleagues uh, back then, now they've hired quite a few new colleagues, uh, were all white males as well. But they never treated me any different because I was a female founder and that my business is at the moment mostly geared towards um, females, as I mentioned. They just understand the value that I bring and the different perspective that I bring um, as a female, as an immigrant, as a woman of color, uh, or rather even person of color. I think that's what they kind of see. Um, so for me, it's, it's less about using the female perspective um, as my main identity, but it's rather using it um, to show that we do have insights to bring that you might not have uh, because your world is different to mine. Your challenges are different to mine. So that's how I view it. I mean, to go, to go back you know, for shameless self-promotion, another one of our blogs where we've been looking at unconscious bias I spoke to you, I assumed, yes, you, you've come from finance. I assumed that you'd gone into fashion almost as, as your, yeah, this was your, this is where I want to go. Now. I've, I've done, you know, the, the male dominated workplace. I'm done with that. I want to go into fashion. That's my, yeah, my passion project, your side hustle that you wanted to make big, but apologies. I misread you. This is an, I, this is, this Sorry. is tech. <laughs> this is IT. This is data. This is numbers. This is the, the, the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Speaking as a, it, as, a, as a white male nerd here who's into his numbers and data <laughs> and things. So, yeah, I'm much more comfortable yeah. with this than, than the shirts, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, that, that's also sort of the, um, you know, what we have to show externally facing to our community, right? Everything looks very glamorous. Everything looks very fashionable, very colorful when you look at all our marketing channels. But really what's behind all of this, you know, is, you know, when we talk about community, commercially speaking, we're talking about user base. We're talking about user acquisition. We're talking about engagement. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, data and tech behind this all, but it's not it, it's not something that you would speak in marketing language uh, to your user base. But those that data, those numbers, they are things that big business that's what they run on. And if we're going to yeah. achieve change, if we're going to convince fashion, you know, fast fashion to to ease off on the production, if we're going to try and encourage less less use of chemicals, less less wastage of water, then we've got to have the numbers there to back up and say, hey, you do X, Y, and Z, this is the net result on your balance sheet, and this is why it's good for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And and I think um and I think, you know, people are uh, quite a lot of brands, quite a lot of industry players are taking notice. 
that, um, you know, if the brands are not going to make these changes themselves, then, you know, this rental platform by rotation, which is empowering just regular women, as I mentioned, you know, this example of this, one of our top users, who's a 49-year-old woman, and she's a very busy woman, you know, she, she's, she, she's not a fashion editor or an influencer, or, you know, she doesn't belong to this world. Um, she's got her own company. She's got kids. Um, she's very, very successful. She's, you know, got an award from the queen. Um, these are the kind of people that we are, you know, getting involved into our community, just the women that you see walking on the street. Before we let you go, I need to ask you, how do you take your tea? Oh, uh, I take green tea. I'm very, very paranoid about staining my teeth, so I do not drink coffee either. How do you take yours, Andy? Hot and wet works for me. I'm, we, we, we have lots <laughs> of different flavours here, but as long as it's hot, a little half sugar in there, that'll do for me. I'm, I'm not too That pushy. sounds great. English tea? It, it varies. I, I had um, quite, quite a thing for Salon for quite a while, and then I've been on the Darjeeling mostly. Of, of oh, late. Nice. But, but it varies we have lots of different flavors and uh, you know, earl grays lady grays i'm <laughs> yeah I, I, probably, I, I probably need to be more sustainable with my tea choices you know just you you know, <laughs> narrow it down and not not do quite as much okay but mostly black tea then from the south mostly yes yeah. amazing so great to meet you andy you've been very patient with me literally and also with all the disturbances not, not in the at office. All. thank it's, you so much it's been lovely thanks for joining us and um give give the little person a fluffy cuddle for me I will do. Nice to meet you, Andy. Thanks again to Ashita for coming on the podcast and to her adorable pup who um, Max has skillfully edited out of the final cut, but joined in for the conversation for a bit. It was it was good chatting with them as well. If you're interested in Ashita's service, you can find it online at byrotation.com. And similarly, if you've seen a problem out there that's you know got, got you thinking, I need to do something about this, but but what? Come and have a chat with the change makers if you want to get involved and really bring about some positive change in the world maybe we're the people to help you come and visit our website social-change.co.uk and book in for a chat let's see what we can do otherwise see you next time on tea with the change makers